everyone, and welcome back to another episode of The Locker Room. I'm your host, Thomas Tellerino, and today I bring back my friend Jordan Navarro for another episode. It's so nice we had to do it twice. Jordan, I'm glad to have you back. I'm glad to be back, man. You know, this is a, it's a nice break from my mundane life. I have yeah. all the time in the world for this. You know, last time it, it went smooth. You had some great takes, even though when we promoted the podcast, you, you, had, you said you had some trash takes. Is that how I you mean, really feel about them? <laughs> a lot of my takes were not great, especially <laughs> in my start sits. Makes sense why I'm 0-3 this year, fantasy. That's okay. We still love to hear them. All right. Hopefully. So, um, we'll jump right into it. You know, last night we saw the Bengals and Jaguars play another competitive Thursday night football game. Down Surprising, to I know. Joe Burrow versus Trevor Lawrence. You know, these two battling college for the national championship. Now they're battling for that Thursday primetime game. What a barn burner that one was. I know. Final score ended up being 17-14, right? Uh, 24-21. Okay, 24-21. And honestly, it looked like Jacksonville was going to pull this one off. It did. Urban it did, it Urban did. Meyer did his best, and he went to that podium heartbroken. It was um, not a good sight. <laughs> well, uh, I think Jacksonville might have had a chance, but, you know, at half, they're up 14 nothing. They're in the red zone. Uh, read option's been working, but you could have taken the field goal. You would have been up 17-0, and you ended up losing the game by three points. So that one hurts, but um, you know, Jacksonville had a decent showing. They didn't do too bad. They protected Trevor Lawrence pretty well, even though he ran for his life a couple times. Yeah, I was not expecting Trevor Lawrence to play as good as he did, just because we haven't really seen much out of him. But that read option touchdown, man, my man put the moves on that D lineman. Hey, okay, that that is nullified by the read option he had in the second <laughs> quarter, where he fell down with no one touching him. Okay, he looked like Big Ben. But he's a, uh he's a mobile QB, okay. He is, he is, he is. <laughs> I think this offense looked a whole lot better because of one major factor. Uh Carlos Hyde was not involved, and they let James Robinson take 95% of the touches. <laughs> um, James James Robinson's just the better back. He finished with 78 yards, two touchdowns, uh, had a really good game. So. Haven't teams realized this that like Carlos Hyde is not, you know, running back material anymore? Like, how does he still have a job? He's kind of like Mark Ingram, except just not as good. That's <laughs> like the best way to explain it. <laughs> he's just, he's a running back that can't run. He's just like, you know, Eddie Lacey was fat and got cut <laughs> from the league. Carlos Hyde is in shape, but I'm not entirely sure I wouldn't take Eddie Lacey. In shape. <laughs> Over him still. Put some Chinese food out there on the field. Eddie Lacey will run a 4-4, guaranteed. I, I don't know. In shape or is he a shape? That I, <laughs> I don't know. But, um, you know, you talk about James Robinson, you know, having a good game. You want to read off some other stats for us for them Jaguars? Um, Sadly, the Jags lost arguably their number one, although I think Marvin Jones is probably the number one. But DJ Chark's lost for the season. So he was out. He's out with a fractured ankle the rest of the year. Um, Trevor Lawrence had 24 attempts. He was 17 of 24, 204 yards, 
Got sacked once. He had an 82.5 QBR. Not a terrible game. They ran the ball a lot in this game. And uh, Trevor Lawrence was way more involved in the rushing attack than I thought he'd be. But it was working in the first half. Um, he finished on the ground with eight carries, 36 yards, and a touchdown to go along with James Robinson, like I said, 78 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, Shelnott Jr. had six catches, 99 yards. His longest catch was a 52-yard bomb. Pretty ball by Trevor Lawrence. But other than that, no one else really got involved. Marvin Jones had three catches for 24 yards. It was kind of a disappointing night for him. But, I mean, Shelnott, Marvin Jones, and uh, – Chark were their only options anyway in the past game. So losing Chark, it'll be interesting to see how they fill it in. I feel like they had five different tight ends out there, and none of them were really that great. So we'll we'll see how they do. The defense, nothing too spectacular. Uh, I think they did record one sack. I want to say it was Adam Goddess who got it. So it just a just a mediocre night for the defense. Yeah, really, this Jacksonville team, the past three games now have been competitive. You know, they both last night against Arizona, they were going into the half. They're leading the game. Yep. And really, it's just everything's falling apart for them in the second half. Do you do you blame Urban Meyer for that, for not being able to coach in the second half? Or is it on the players? Uh, It's probably a little bit of both. I think Urban Meyer is still adjusting to NFL speed and uh, adjusting to NFL coaching and making those adjustments in the second half. Because, I mean, he doesn't have an Ohio State roster anymore. He doesn't pummel people in the first half by 48. Uh, Trevor Lawrence, I don't know what happened in the second half, but the run game was just not there. I don't know if he was making the wrong reads, but the read option I was working in the first half just didn't really work in the second half. I don't know if that was a defensive coordinating thing for the Bengals. They keyed in on that. Obviously, they probably did a little bit. But I think the biggest thing is the defense for this Jaguars team is just not good. There's no other way to put it. It's They've lost a lot of pieces over the last couple of years, so they don't really have much talent on there outside of Miles Jack. But even Miles Jack had kind of a just okay game. I feel like he was getting kind of frustrated trying to guard some of these Cincinnati players. So I was just disappointed in Miles Jack as the, the captain of that defense. You got to do better. But there's not much talent on that defense. So I think it's a team and an Urban Meyer thing, why they keep collapsing. Yeah, you know, Miles Jack, he's really the only premier defensive player, like you said. So he's going to get double teamed most of the game. You know, they're going to just be like – they're going to plan around him be like, okay, let's just minimize him, and then that's all we need to do. But I know we said last – you said last week um, you thought Trevor Lawrence has been overrated. You know, we compare him to Andrew Luck. Do, do you actually feel that, like, you know, he is he is overrated and should have not been the number one pick, or? I don't think he should have not been the number one pick. I think he was the easy number one pick just because of the overall assets he brings. Because every other prospect that was in this draft, quarterback prospect, had, like, a major flaw, right? Like, there was something yeah. that was wrong with him. Trevor Lawrence was like, this guy might come in and have a decent season and he wouldn't be a negative to your team. But I feel like he's been a negative to the Jaguars. He's a whole lot better than Gardner Minshew. Okay. I mean, he's a positive in that sense, in that sense, but um, the thing I've been most impressed with him is his ability to get out of the, get out of the pocket and make plays, but I'm not seeing the touch or the decisive decision-making I saw in college 
and you know everyone was talking about how he can pick defenses apart and it's all good upstairs and, and he's got a high IQ but I'm not seeing that I'm not seeing him pick apart defenses obviously he's got to get up to speed that's not something someone's going to come in and do in you know what his third game in the NFL fourth game in the NFL yeah so I get it but for a guy who's been compared to Andrew Luck I mean Andrew Luck stepped into a an equally as bad situation and completely changed that franchise. And I don't, I haven't seen that with Trevor Lawrence yet. Yeah. I, I don't, I know like we always used to say, and when we were roommates, you know, he's the next Andrew Luck. But if we really think about it, Andrew Luck is a one of a kind athlete. You know, he was really the last student athlete for the NFL. And I remember seeing clips where like he missed some time in training camp. And he already knew the playbook coming back. And like, he was like already out calling the coaches. Like he already knew what to do. And I don't, I don't see that in Trevor Lawrence. So I think you're right with like, I don't think he has it up here yet, but I think that comes over time. And I think it comes too with more seasons with Urban Meyer. Yeah. I think, you know, Urban Meyer, you know, he's been a college coach for, he's been a great college coach. But he not he hasn't broke out in the NFL yet, and he's it's a way different game. And I don't know if he's going to last, but if he does, I hope that these two can get a relationship where they're both on the same page. Um, I do think they need to hire an offensive coordinator. Um, I know it's only four weeks into the season for them, but I don't see an identity with this team. You know, they have James Robinson, and it seemed like coming into the season – uh, they drafted Travis Etienne. Everyone forgets he got injured, but Travis Etienne was obviously going to be a major part of this offense. And again, I don't really understand that. James Robinson was amazing last year. I mean, this dude's legit. I get that he's undrafted, but he's legit. Like this is not this is not some one-off season. The dude is proving it in the last two weeks when he's gotten good, decent chunks of work that he still can produce as a high-level running back. So, you know, what is their what is their identity on offense? Are they going to pound the ball, run it, you know, 20, 30 times? I think they ran it 30 times this game in total. Or are they going to let Trevor Lawrence throw the ball 35 times a game? I mean, what is the identity on this offense? Honestly, I'd make it a running identity because you, you just lost Chark. Your offensive line's not great in the passing game. And it's shown that, you know, Robinson – is as capable of having great games. Yep. So I would let the offense flow through him. Exactly what I would say, at least until Trevor Lawrence. Because I'm not going to say that Trevor Lawrence hasn't flashed. He definitely has. He's flashed that he can be a supremely talented quarterback in the NFL. But he's not there consistently. So you can't put the burden of trying to carry this entire offense on his shoulders. And I would like to see them just do more quick passes. I think Chenault is one of the most underrated and underutilized uh, offensive weapons in the NFL this dude can do it all and he's kind of built like a tight end so I feel like you should just kind of go out there and let that dude ball get him jet sweeps get him little dink and dunk screen passes let him go long he can do everything these are the, I feel like he's their most versatile offensive weapon and this game they finally used him but I don't know if that's because Chark was out and they just had to give somebody the ball or if they actually game planned for him to break out like this because I would love to see more usage for uh, for out like this game yeah you know coming in the year he was known universally as a sleeper like we 
we thought he was going to take the next step, but he hasn't really showed that yet. But I still, I think with DJ Chark out now, he's going to have, he's going to thrive. I feel like. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. So um, let's talk about Cincinnati side of the ball. You know, they really past couple games, Joe Burrow has gotten off to slow starts in the first half. He hasn't thrown the ball too well in the first half, but then he ends up finishing the game with 348 yards, 25 for 32, 6.4 intended yards of throw, 78% completion percentage, two TDs, 132.8 passer rating, no interceptions. Overall, it was a good game for him in the second half, and he ended up leading his team coming down on that last drive, getting him in field goal range. He did what he needed to do. And for receiving, you know, out of the three, you know, Higgins is out, but tonight it was just Tyler Boyd's night. You know, you never know which one of the three is going to have the big game. Boyd ended up getting nine catches on 11 targets, 118 yards, 13 yard or yeah, 13 yards a catch, no touchdowns though, and then 3.1 yards of separation, which I want to say was the highest between both teams for yeah, yards of separation. And then he had 8.3 yak yards. Overall, good game, but you, you don't know if you're going to see this again just because he's got other options there with Chase and Higgins. And then the next guy up for receiving was uh, the tight end, C.J. Uzma. Five for 95, six targets, two TDs, 13.3 yak average yards, 3.8 yards of separation. And then he was Joe Burrow's red zone guy, really. I know uh, one of the touchdowns is like a 30-yarder, but he was targeting him in the red zone for most of the game. And then Jamar Chase, you know, he had a solid game as well. Six for 77, nine targets, 12.8 yards a catch, only 1.8 yards per separation. And, you know, he had a solid game. It's just he didn't have that big play touchdown where he's been getting the past couple games. He almost took up on one in the, I think it was the end of the second or the beginning of the third, but it was really good coverage down the sideline. I would have liked Jamar Chase to kind of make a better move on that ball because he kind of just let the corner face guard him. But yeah, like you said, Jamar Chase had a solid game and he's not going to catch two touchdowns every week. So, yeah, the one thing I do worry though with Jamar Chase's, and they've been seeing this since training camp, he does not create separation how they were expecting him to. I don't know if that just comes with a year off from football and he still has to get in the swing of things, but hopefully we do see a bigger jump. But honestly, he's doing good without it, so you never know. Yeah, I think it's like you said, he took a year off. Also, his head might be a little inflated right now because he's been getting these big touchdowns. He might be thinking, okay, maybe I'm just fast enough to get by these corners. Um, he tried to put a couple moves on people last night. They were okay. Uh, he's definitely he's no Justin Jefferson Justin Jefferson said last year that he's an elite route runner his rookie year and he's only gonna get better but Jamar Chase will get there I don't think there's anything to worry about he's he was elite in college at getting separation so I, I wouldn't worry too much in the NFL yeah you know the biggest thing is he's able to catch the ball and yeah of course yes he fooled everyone like we said and I, I don't know how we all fell for it to be honest you know the whole league was like what do you mean he can't catch a ball? You're a wide receiver in the NFL. But hats off to him. And then the only really big offensive player on the night other than the rest was uh, Joe Mixon, 16 carries, 67 yards. They had a touchdown, 4.2 yards a carry, which is really well 
for um for him and you know he's always been that guy who's like oh this is his breakout season it's oh it's coming now i think this is the year you know he's getting the workload i was kind of upset with how he played on third downs but uh I don't know. He just seems frustrated on third downs that he's getting taken out for P. Ryan. But to, to be fair to P. Ryan, Mixon dropped two very catchable balls. Um, he came up, uh, he came out of the game on the last drive. They're saying he had some type of ankle injury. I don't know if it was a cramp or what. They said it was minor, but you can't trust Zach Taylor with anything. He's the <laughs> worst coach when it comes to injuries, so we'll see. But hopefully he'll be healthy for next week. Yeah, they said minor ankle injury, so I'm I'm hoping it's not much. You know, he's had a really great start to the season, and I want to see him keep it up. And then offensively as a whole, 420 yards, 21 first downs, 31 and 15 seconds for time of possession, and 7.6 yards of play. You know, this offense, we knew the receiving game was going to be pretty good. I don't know if we expected Mixon to average about almost 20 carries a game. But honestly, if this defense can pick it up, I do see them being able to sneak into a wild card. Yeah, I think they have an identity. It's um, well, they kind of they didn't really run the ball much in the first half, but they kind of got game scripted out. They're already down fourteen quick. Um, but I think the identity is let Joe Mixon carry the ball twenty times a game, and let the hot hand at receiver take us where it may. And I think Higgins coming back kind of eliminates Tyler Boyd as a threat as much in like that intermediate area. Cause I feel like that's where T Higgins kind of thrives, but Tyler Boyd near the line of scrimmage will continue to be a threat. So Joe Burrow's got three legit wide receiver options. The offense, I mean, Zach Taylor is supposed to be a great offensive coach. So I think this is his prove it year. If this offense isn't good if it's not above average I feel like you got to move on at coach because there's no reason for this offense to to be like lackluster yeah there's no room for the offense to be lackluster because this defense is not good at all I mean coming into the year I think everyone knew they weren't going to be a good defense but you know they only had one sack last night and it was Logan Wilson one sack 10 tackles for him one tackle for loss and then Pratt had eight tackles for them. And as a team, they let up 341 yards and 21 first downs and three rushing touchdowns. So to an offense that isn't too great. Yeah. I I think their offense can have them go far, but their defense, they honestly they're putting the offense in a hole where they have to make up for them because we've seen it a couple weeks now where oh they're down and Oh, now we got to carry us back into the game. Yep, and they're uh, Joey Burrow three interception week from being four and zero, so that that's rough for them. But uh, to just end it, I guess they're they're three and one. I mean, the wins are wins in the NFL. Yeah, it might you know you're not going to complain anywhere you win them. So good for them, Jags, Jags, and Jags fans. You guys are on the come up. Don't worry, it's going to be a rough season, but. Trust the process. Yeah, you got to trust the process. (laughs) They'll get somewhere. Yeah, they're a young team, you know. I I feel like coming into the year, you can't expect just drafting Trevor Lawrence. That's going to turn everything around. I mean, you got to build around him, and I think it's going to take a couple years to build around him. Yeah, they probably need another draft class or two and a free agency, but they'll get there. Yeah, nothing wrong with that. As for that, let's uh, step back a little bit. Let's look at our week three awards. Now, you did so great with the NFC last week. 
What are your NFC awards this week? Um, offensive player of the week. This was a tough one because I kind of wanted to go to Devontae Adams just to be different. But as a 49ers fan, that hurt me to say that he single-handedly destroyed our, our defense. So I'm going to go with Matt Stafford, who I think is equally as deserving. Um, I called it last week. I said that Tampa Bay – or not Tampa Bay – that the Rams would beat Tampa Bay and it would be the big come-out game for Stafford to prove that it's legit. Granted, Tampa Bay has no corners, but Stafford had 343 yards and four touchdowns, so he's my NFC Offensive Player of the Week. My Defensive Player of the Week in real life, I believe it was Byron Murphy. I'm not giving it to Byron Murphy. I'm giving it to Trayvon Diggs because he absolutely shut down uh, Devontae Smith, which I get he's a rookie. But Jalen Hurts' number one target was nowhere to, to be seen on the field. So great job by Trayvon Diggs. He had a big interception as well. Team of the week, I'm going to give it to the Packers, mainly Aaron Rodgers. Um, but to coincide with that, the special teams player of the week for me is Mason Crosby. Ice in his veins. That's a huge kick for them, especially after Aaron Rodgers drives down the field in 37 seconds. So, I, You said it last week. You don't give the ball back. To Aaron Rodgers, yeah. I'm Brady, Patrick Mahomes. Yep. But do you blame Juszczyk for going in for the touchdown, or is it just like, ah, it happened, our defense just needs to step up? No, nah, you got to take points wherever you can get them. I mean, it's 37 seconds left. They have zero timeouts. Everyone was getting mad at Demeco Ryans because he played prevent coverage. But, I mean, to be honest, you know, prevent – Maybe they should have put pressure on them, but the 49ers were already banged up at corner. They got even more injuries during the game. Are you really going to put a rookie out there with the game on the line, pressing up against Devontae Adams and have an 80-yard touchdown happen, you know? So I get it. It could go both ways, but the defense has got to – you got to put more pressure on him. You got to stop him there, even with prevent. I mean, that's just ridiculous. 37 seconds, no timeout, and Aaron Rodgers made it look like a, like a practice. Yeah, you know – I, I thought this 49ers defense was going to shut him down a little bit more. They knocked out Devontae Adams at one point. I don't know what they gave him to get back in the game. <laughs> but um, honestly, though, I was impressed with their offense. You know, Jimmy G did not have a bad game, I thought. Uh, he started slow. The whole offense did. But, I mean, he floated a couple balls. That terrible fumble. I don't know what that was. I don't think he knows either. But I, the run game wasn't there. So, with all that being said, Jimmy Garoppolo had a decent game, yeah. And then, you know, I was shocked with the run game just because we've seen this Packers run game just get ran through every week in a big game. But um, is that because of the new defensive coordinator, you think? Or is it just guys stepping up now? Um. I think it's more on the 49ers than on the Packers because I feel like the Packers, the same problems kind of were there. But I don't think Kyle Shanahan trusts Trey Sermon at all. Um, I don't know why we traded up in the third round to get him if we don't trust him. But it looks like Kyle Shanahan can't run the offense he wants to run with Trey Sermon. And you saw it, Kyle Juszczyk was out there. Now, I'm a big believer in Juszczyk. I mean, he's the he's the best fullback yeah Yeah. best fullback in football he could probably play tight end if he really wanted to but he's not a running back you know and he took I think 11 or 12 running back snaps so obviously Kyle Shanahan is not comfortable with Trey Sermon and I his offense with the 49ers specifically has been a lot of smaller speed type backs like Raheem Mostert 
which is why Elijah Mitchell was able to step in and have the good game that he had this season because he's kind of built like Raheem Mostert. So I feel like it's just a failure on Kyle Shanahan's part. But the Packers played much better run defense in the second half than I expected when Trey Sermon did start getting some touches. They kind of neutralized him because we kind of switched up the, the scheme. We didn't run much his own with Trey Sermon. It was more one cut, more power looks, really. He was running between the tackles. So props to the Packers, but I think this is just a big failure for Kyle Shanahan. You know, we've seen Shanahan kind of outcoach himself before. I do think, um, you know, Trey Sermon, maybe they just got to build that level of trust. And then maybe he doesn't trust him because, you know, he was a healthy scratch week one, which coming into that week, I thought he was going to be right behind Moser. Same. And then, you know, was it week two he got the concussion? Yeah. So maybe he's just worried. He doesn't think he can stay healthy the whole game. But, you know, time will tell. Yeah. This would be a big week for him, I think. And then over on the AFC, my uh, offensive player of the week was Josh Allen. You know, I thought he balled out against the Washington football team. 43-21 victory. He had 32-43, 358 yards, and five touchdowns on the day. 74.4 completion percentage. This is the game he needed, really, because first three weeks, I don't know where he was. He looked like him rookie self. I think now, you know, the wheels are turning for him. He's going to have some big games. And the run game was going, although I don't think it's legit. But, I mean, if Buffalo, I think they realize Devin Singletary is not very good, and they realize that Zach Moss is the better running back. So, like you said, this is a great game for Buffalo in general, especially Josh Allen. And, I mean, they have Houston up next, so it should be a punching bag game for them. They should be able to keep it rolling. Yeah, it, it should, but, you know, we've seen Houston compete, so. Hey, they're playing for David Culley, even yeah. if he isn't a good coach. And then my AFC Defensive Player of the Week, I it, it's got to be Miles Garrett. I mean. Crazy game. Four and a half sacks, single game record for the Browns. He added seven tackles, four for tackles for loss, and he held – and the defense along with him held Justin Fields to one net yard of passing. Matt Nagy sabotaged this young man. Matt Nagy knew that offensive line was atrocious. And he said, Justin, I have no run game planned for this. We're not going to use David Montgomery, who's our best offensive player outside of Allen Robinson. We're going to have you go out there. And uh, they pretty much told him to play backyard football. And Justin Fields is just like, hey, I don't know what I'm doing. So this game is not on Justin Fields. This is another prime example of Matt Nagy being an atrocious coach, and I don't know why he still has a job. Justin, we're sorry. From the locker room, we're here for you. You know, Just a request to trade. Just go ahead and get out of there. Save your career. Just (laughs) – you're going to look back at this and be like, wow, I'm glad I'm not in Chicago anymore. Just ask (laughs) Just do it. It's okay. And then my rookie of the week for the AFC, it was a toss-up. I was going to go Najee Harris, but ended up going Jamar Chase just because, you know, 465, two touchdowns against a pretty good defense, although they had injuries. That's pretty solid against that Pittsburgh defense. Oh, for sure. And then team of the week, the L.A. Chargers. Those three fans in L.A. are ecstatic right now. Walking into Kansas City – Getting the big divisional win, picking off Patrick Mahomes twice, 
You know, I, I don't. Turnover I don't see machine. These uh, no look passes now. Now that you threw an interception. All right. Turnover machine, Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. And then my special teams player of the week. It, I mean, come on. The the man, the myth himself. My goodness, from '66 into the hearts yeah. of all Detroit fans who want nothing more than to die in peace. Justin Tucker from the jaws of defeat from brought, the Baltimore, brought Baltimore the victory uh, off the crossbar. 99, that's all we got to say now. 99 overall Madden, the first kicker ever. Congrats, Justin Tucker. I, I don't know where you get your leg from, but I'm going to need that. Just ridiculous. I mean, Detroit – has played competitive all season. They have been the surprise team of the year for me because I thought they were going to be doormats. And all these games have been close. I mean, outside of the Packers one, but they played the Niners close. Um, They played Baltimore close. And they just – why? Why Detroit? God hates Detroit, and I'm tired of it. I'm ready for the Motor City to have a good year. They deserve it, even though they ruined Calvin Johnson's career. I forgive them. It's time for God to stop smiting them. They're taking kneecaps, Jordan. Okay. <laughs> well, if they would have taken just, if they would have taken Justin Tucker's kneecap, they wouldn't have lost. <laughs> All they they missed one kneecap on the whole Ravens team, and it was the most crucial kneecap that you can take. Dan Campbell, keep it up there in Detroit. You're doing great. Don't worry, your time's coming. But just like that, week three is over, and now we're on to week four. It will be officially. Four weeks of football after this Monday, and I'm just happy we're back, baby. Happy. We're in the swing of things now. Yeah. It's, it's on. So let's let's get started. You know, first game on schedule, the Washington football team versus the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, Taylor Heineke, uh, homecoming game. He's from Georgia, I do believe. I think he went to school down there as well. Uh, might have to fact check that. I'm not sure, but I'm going to assume that he did. Um, this should be a pretty good game for Washington. This is a get right game. They're getting Curtis Samuel back. It's it's going to remain to be seen how much he plays, but this should be a big, or a big weapon for this offense. So I'm going to take the football team by a touchdown. Yeah, I think uh, this is going to be a good game for, you know, just like the Giants game for the 10 fans watching. <laughs> But um, honestly, this Washington, the key matchup for me is the the battle of the underperformers so far in the Washington football team D-line and Matt Ryan's what they call offensive line. I yeah. Mean, they're better off putting up practice dummies at this point and then just having actual players out there because I, Matty Ice, I'm sorry, you're just getting no protection. So, I mean, yeah, this will be a get-right week for Chase Young and the yeah. boys out there. If they can't generate pressure on this line, there's some serious problems. But I do think it can be a close game, but I, I just have Washington pulling it out just because I I do think that D-line's going to get to stat – or, I'm sorry, uh, Matt Ryan. Next game on tap, we have Houston Texans versus the Buffalo Bills. There's not much to be said about this game. If Houston wins this game, David Culley needs a statue uh, in Houston. <laughs> they have no right to be competitive in this game. They should not be particularly close. So Buffalo. 
Yeah, I with the way Buffalo's defense has played the past uh, couple weeks, I think it's going to look a lot like the Miami game. But you never know. And I I don't think we'll see Josh Allen have a game like he did last time. I think this defense will somewhat maybe hold them to maybe Houston, under 300. Houston might give Buffalo their first 100-yard rusher in what it feels like a decade. This first is, one since LaShawn McCoy. Zach Moss might be the fantasy play of the week. You never know. I mean, we'll, we'll get into that later. Yeah, yeah. Move on. <laughs> I, <laughs> I'll also take Buffalo on that one. Next one up, the Detroit Lions versus Chicago Bears. Detroit, from heartbreak to glory, you will climb the mountaintop that is Matt Nagy, and you will plant a Motor City flag in Chicago on Soldier Field. Yes. Detroit will win this game. Uh, I'm with you. I got Detroit winning just because – Chicago still hasn't named a starter. And Doesn't matter who they put out there. If they put Justin Fields out there again and have the same exact game plan, I, I'm going to be sad just for Justin Fields. He's come a long way since the QB1 documentary, okay? Can someone please want this man? Georgia wanted Jake Fromm over him. <laughs> You're telling me. Why don't he want me, man? <laughs> You're telling me no one wants him. Come on. He has athletic ability. Please coach around him, Matt Nagy. Please. It kind of seems like they told Matt Nagy, you are terrible at picking quarterbacks. So we're going to pick Justin Fields for you. And he kind of threw a temper tantrum. And maybe that's why he doesn't like Justin Fields, because he sure doesn't like it. I wanted Zach Wilson. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know – Hopefully they get something going, but I think Detroit's going to edge this one out. Dan Campbell, get your first wing, the guy. And the next game on tap, Carolina-Dallas. Good NFC game. This will be a this will be a really close game. Uh, no one has been able to successfully run on Carolina yet. Uh, it looks like Kellen Moore wants to run both Tony Pollard and Ezekiel Elliott 20 times a game. So we will see. Uh, I do think Dallas holds the edge because they are able to adapt their play style and they can have Dak throw the ball 50 times and be competitive. So I'm going to take Dallas just because I think Carolina will shut down the run, but I don't know if they can contain CD and Amari Cooper. And I don't, again, like I said last week, I'm not too thrilled with how Carolina's played offense. So, but this would be a close game. You know, how about them Cowboys? You know, that defense stepping up last week. Micah Parsons, man. Something's Micah great. Parsons. But um, for me, the key matchup this week, I think, is if this pass rush gets to Darnold. You know, I think if Parsons and Gregory get to Darnold, we're going to see him flustered. We, I don't know if he'll be seeing ghosts. I don't think he ever will again. But I definitely do think they can contain him with not having to worry about McCaffrey now. But yeah. I like you said, I think these receivers might be too much. And then this Dallas offense has been able to thrive against every team. You know, we saw them thrive in the passing game week one. We saw them thrive in the run game against the Chargers. And then last week against Philly, they thrived in both. 
They made yeah. Philly look like they had a high school defense. So yeah. with that, I got to go with Dallas on this one. Give Kellen Moore his credit, damn it. He's a pretty good offensive coordinator. Not great, but very adaptable. You know, their rumor is that he's gunning for head coach, not just in Dallas. He might take a head coaching job somewhere else after this year. And Chicago's probably going to have a head coaching job opening in about eh, yeah, 48 hours, <laughs> 72 hours. I mean, I, he's a young guy. He knows he knows how to run a good offense. He's been doing it for a couple of years now. Yeah. But we'll see. But for now, how about them Cowboys? <laughs> Next game, Indy in Miami. This is going to be a snooze fest. Uh, Jacoby Brisket takes on his former team, his former employer, the Indianapolis Colts. Um, this could be a get-right game for both these defenses. Miami has struggled. Their defense is supposed to be their strong suit. It does not look like that. And Indianapolis is 0-3, and they just got beat by the Titans in a heartbreaker. So I I do believe Indianapolis will win this game just because I can't see them starting 0-4. But I think this is going to be a game that's going to be dominated by both of these defenses as they try to kind of correct some of the issues they've had earlier in the season. Yeah, I was looking at some of the matchups, and, you know, we could see Miami's wide receivers do really good <laughs> against this, uh, the Indy D-backs, but I, I just don't see enough quarterback play out of Jacoby Brissett where that's going to take him over the top this game. And I also have Indy, their defense, carrying him in this one. And I think we could see Jonathan Taylor have a big game or one of the running backs, but that is to be determined because – you know, I've had my hopes up for Jonathan Taylor for a couple weeks. And I've been let down, but you know, I got I got more on him later. Yeah. <laughs> Next game, New York Giants versus the New Orleans Saints, and the Saints home opener. Um, does Danny Dimes throw dimes? That's a question I ask you. I mean, I I, I don't think so. Are we talking actual dimes or a football? No, you know, football. (laughs) Uh, No. Now, would you say he has targeted Sterling Shepard and Darius Slayton more than Kenny Galladay? Yes. Now, would you say Evan Ingram is more – he's more comfortable to throwing Evan Ingram and a guy who plays underneath than Kenny Galladay? Yes. Would you say Marshawn Lattimore is an elite corner capable of keeping – an offense is number one option at bay. Um, is if you're saying Kenny Galloway is number one, I'd, mm-hmm. I'd say yeah. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I have some breaking news for you. Darius Slayton and Sterling Shepard are not going to play in this game. Evan Ingram is going to play in this game, fully healthy. Saquon got 84% of the snaps uh, last week. He'll probably get 90-plus this week. A lot of checkdowns, I'm sure. And Kenny Galladay is going to get covered by Marshawn Lattimore and will probably have Marcus Williams over the top for help. And Kenny Galladay does not get the ball so far in three weeks. So I'm going to take New Orleans, and I'm going to take heartbreak for Kenny Galladay fantasy owners who think he's going to get 15 targets and have a great game. I don't see it happening. And I got to start him this week against you. And 
I, I don't know why I'm doing it to myself, but I don't really have the option because that's how bad the bench is looking. But I, I want to know, does Saquon have positive yards in this game? It's going to be close. Um, it depends on what New Orleans decides to key in on. Do they think Saquon's the main threat? If they do, he won't have a great game. But uh, it depends on how much pass work he gets, right? You know, we could see a Saquon type game where he just breaks off a 60 or 70 yard touchdown. But outside of that, I don't see anything too big happening for him. So they're going to need to pass to him six or seven times for him to have some really good, good yardage. And I think they will, because I don't see Kenny Galladay getting 15 targets. Yeah, I, what I see is Jameis looking to his left and right, eating some dubs. Eating some dubs. And maybe maybe uh, handing the ball off for four touchdowns, maybe. <laughs> maybe 100 big, yards on the game. No, probably. And they're getting Troy Con. I think they're getting Troy <laughs> Smith back this week. Yeah. Slant Boy isn't back, though, yet. So He's not going to be back. Yeah. And, you know, that, that might be a good thing. Maybe. But next game, the Tennessee Titans versus the New York Jets. Um, Julio and A.J. Brown are out. So Ryan Tannehill is not the greatest fantasy start. But that doesn't mean they're not going to win this game because fantasy football is not real life. <laughs> and they have the ultimate equalizer in games like this where their defense should play pretty well. His name is King Henry. Now, the thing about King Henry is he's not like every running back in this day and age. Run, running back by committee is not something you do with King Henry. See, King Henry is the type of guy who carries the ball 40 times and asks for more after the game. So I'm predicting at least 30 carries for Derrick Henry. That's it? And I, that's it. <laughs> and I'm predicting that the Jets will score over 10 points. This will be a breakout week for them. They might score two touchdowns, guys. This might be Zach Wilson's best offensive week because Tennessee's that bad. But Derrick Henry's going to pulverize them. He's going to run them to sleep, and Tennessee's going to walk out here with a win, even without their two best receivers. You know, I get to witness this in person this week, so I can't wait to see Derrick Henry just absolutely run all over that field. <laughs> Maybe have – 300 all-purpose yards he might and he can catch now too people this is not just running we thought might have special <laughs> Derek Henry learned how to catch I don't think people realize how significant this is like this is like Lamar Jackson being able to throw a deep ball <laughs> it, hey, hey Lamar doesn't need strays man he's been carrying his team no I know but I'm saying but what if he had the deep ball that's what it, that's what it's like if Henry is able to catch passes for now on. But um, you know, would you like to mention the bet that you made with uh, one of your friends this week? Yeah. Uh, so me and Tommy are in the same fantasy league, along with his usual co-host Zach. But um, one of our our members of the league, he's a Tennessee Titans fan, and he said that the Jets would not score ten points, would not score over ten points. And I told him they would easily. I think they're going to score 14. That's what I've put the total at. And if they score over 10, he has to waste $10 of his fab, which is the money we use for the waiver wire. And if they don't score more than 10, I have to waste $10 of my fab. And this is very valuable currency. So this is a huge week for me. It's more valuable than Dogecoin right now. Yeah, obviously. There's I think teams without, with zero fantasy dollars. 
if I could get Fab as an NFT, I would invest my life savings in it. You know, I'm the one up yet. I'm going to say Zach Wilson, one of his pa- or his passes don't hit the ground in the first half. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. I'm not saying that he has to complete them. Evan B. Hart for three interceptions? You never know. <laughs> that, that man has looked awful. And maybe he will have a positive come out of this game, maybe a couple touchdowns. This is a Corey Davis revenge game. I'm starting him. I'm fully expecting to be let down, but I'm all aboard the Corey Davis revenge game. Corey Davis, you've been killing it. And not hope, really, but I hope <laughs> did we uh did, did we skip a game? Did we skip Cleveland, Minnesota? Um, I was gonna that's next on my list. All right, all right. I just didn't know. I, wrote, I, I think I wrote them down wrong in the time schedule. All right. Yeah, so Cleveland, Minnesota. This will be a good game. Um, a lot of difficult matchups in this game to me because these teams play so similarly. I'm going to pick Minnesota because I think they just had finally put a full game together against Seattle and – it's a miracle that Seattle didn't score 40 on them with how bad their corners and secondary are with the two elite receivers they have, but they mostly shut down Tyler Lockett. So um, I'm going to pick Minnesota off a big week against Seattle. I think they'll go to two and two, but it'll be close. And obviously Cleveland is a great team. They're my pick to win the AFC North. So if they, they beat Minnesota, I'm, I'm not in the least surprised. Yeah. I got Cleveland winning this one just because, you know, I don't think Cook's playing. They, he hasn't practiced yet this week, and I think it, it would help if they were able to get into the offense. But I think this Cleveland defense is better than Seattle's, way better than Seattle's defense. So I do think they're not going to be able to shut down completely these receivers, but I do think they're not going to give up as many big plays. I think Cook is playing. I think I checked trying? that okay. today. Uh, Adam Schefter, Ian Rappaport, one of them tweeted that it was he's trending in the right direction to play. So okay. I think he will play. All right. Yeah, I read earlier that he was iffy, so I didn't know if they were going to pull the trigger or not on that one. Honestly, that could be one of the games of the week right there. I think it will be. I think that'll be a really good game. And then next up on the list, we have the Kansas City Chiefs versus Philadelphia Eagles. Should be a get-right game for Kansas City. If you're not fired up after losing to a divisional opponent and losing on a heartbreaker to Baltimore, um, you're one and two. This is the first time the world has doubted you in two years. They're starting to wonder if the kingdom is crumbling before it really even begins, which I don't think it is, obviously. But now you've put yourself in a hole in the division, and you got an easy cakewalk, a team like Philly, who I retract all my statements I said last week. I mean, <laughs> you, I don't know what I don't know what happened. You were giving I, me flowers. I thought I thought <laughs> Sirianni had something, and then he didn't run Miles Sanders, and Miles Sanders was like fifty percent of their offensive yards, and he had four touches. I don't know how you just don't <laughs> use him. So I take back everything I said. I'm willing to admit that was a terrible take. But Kansas City should win this game. If they don't, there's something seriously wrong. Yeah, I have Kansas City win this one, too. You know, Andy Reid's facing Philly. This is going to be a big game for him. And 
I just don't think Philly's good enough on both sides of the ball to keep up with Kansas City. You know, Kansas City, I feel like that offense is very similar to the Dallas Cowboys, where at least the passing game is. And I think they're just going to let it air out. And it's Tyreek Hill may be in for a good game after two weeks of just being a track star. So, yeah, like you said, it's just a get-right game for Kansas City. And then also another potential game of the week, the L.A. Rams versus the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, this is a huge game for the NFC West. This is the game that Arizona has to prove that they're either legit or they're what everyone thought they were, which is just a sometimes electric offense with an okay defense. Um, history is that the Rams absolutely dominate this Arizona team. Uh, it's happened for the past couple of seasons. The Rams have not let them get started. So I've got the Rams in this game. I think Sean McVay has unlocked the secret sauce to his team with this Matt Stafford pickup. I think their defense is elite, way better than Arizona. Well, I'm not going to say way better because Arizona's defense has played good this year, but a much more proven and experienced elite defense. So it may, it, it's either going to be a shootout or the Rams are going to stamp uh, Arizona this week and show that there's levels to the NFC West. Yeah, I have the Rams. I don't think um, Arizona's going to be able to hold up with or hold the Rams offensive weapons you know Cooper Cup's been lighting it up with Stafford and I know we haven't seen Robert Woods getting it going but I do think he can get it going against Arizona really and Higby has had good games against Arizona I just I see Arizona's offense putting up a good game but I do see don't expect a lot out of DeAndre Hopkins I don't think just because you know him and Ramsey although you know, Hopkins is one of the best receivers in the league. It's just a tough matchup for yeah. anyone. I mean, if you get six catches, 55 yards out of that and a touchdown, you got to take it. Yeah, that's an elite game against Jalen yeah. Ramsey. But I I just don't see Arizona being able to hold up with the Rams on this one. And then the other NFC West game of the week, Seattle and San Fran. <laughs> sound like Skip Bayless on this when he's talking about the Cowboys, but I got some things to get off my chest. First and foremost, Kyle Shanahan, your ego is getting in the way of you coaching. The offense has started slow for three straight weeks outside of the Detroit game, which I'm not even counting. Um, we also let them come back in that game. Seattle, you have two elite wide receivers to cover. You neglected cornerback in the draft, which I – was very upset with I told Tommy that Asante Samuel was the guy I wanted and look at what Asante Samuel has done in the beginning of the season he's balled out we neglected corner we took Aaron Banks Aaron Banks isn't playing he comes from a power run offense in Notre Dame he doesn't fit Kyle Shanahan's zone run scheme at all so he hasn't played he's been a healthy scratch he's been inactive Trey Sermon you traded up in the third round to get it doesn't seem like he was a Kyle Shanahan pick because he hasn't used him meanwhile the sixth round Elijah Mitchell is your de facto number one, I guess, and he might not play. George Kittle might not play. Speaking of George Kittle, you haven't gotten him involved in the offense enough. You have maybe the best tight end in the league, debatable with Kelsey, and you don't use him. Brandon Ayuk was in the doghouse for some reason, even though he's injured. Kyle Shanahan, this is your chance to still prove that you are an elite coach, and I think you are. This is your chance to prove that the 49ers are still the team to beat in the NFC West, even though we've started slow and show something, but it's going to be a shootout because DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett are going to feast on this secondary. 
So this is his chance to prove. And Jimmy Garoppolo, you better show out because Trey, the every week you play like an average quarterback is another week fans want Trey Lance to get in the game. On the Seattle side, like I said, the secondary is terrible. Um, this should be a game for DK Metcalf and, and Tyler Lockett. So I'm actually going to pick Seattle. I, I just I don't have a lot of faith right now in Jimmy Garoppolo as a quarterback. So I'm going to pick Seattle to win just because our secondary is that atrocious. Don't worry, buddy. I got you. I'll, I'm taking San Fran. <laughs> I'll, I'll believe in him this week. I think Debo Samuel is going to have one of the best games of his career so far. All right? <laughs> it's going to happen. Don't worry. San Fran's going to walk out of here with a dub. Hopefully. I think, um, I, I think the, these two always play each other tough. But I think uh, Shanahan's going to be able to coach this game. Don't worry. I think it's going to come down to the wire. But I think uh, he's going to be able to coach in this one. We'll see. And then next game, another another good game, Baltimore and Denver. Teddy Two Gloves, our favorite quarterback here in the locker room. Teddy, Teddy throws two. a belt. Throw, throws a belt. Uh, this, is, this will be a decent game for both of these teams, I think. Um, Denver is not going to be able to run on Baltimore. So this is going to be a game that Teddy Two Gloves is going to have to shine in. So I'm going to take Baltimore just because I think not having the running game is going to affect Denver a lot, especially the defense, not being able to control the time of possession. And I think Baltimore, they've got to, uh, they got to, they got to fix what they did in Detroit. You know, Denver's a tough defense, but they, you could score on them. So I'm going to pick Baltimore. You know, I know a lot of people are saying, oh, Denver isn't really playing one to go 3-0. and Yes, you're right. But coming into this year, we've known that this defense is not something to play around with. And yeah. Bob Miller's having a great season. Don't know where that came from. He's still got but, something left in the tank. But I do think they're good on both sides of the ball. And I think if they're able to limit Lamar – on defensive end, I don't think they have to worry too much on the offensive end. I do think it will relieve some pressure off Teddy. I do have it being a shootout or a close game. I I I'm going Denver. I'm I'm going off. And then I'll save the Sunday night game for the last pick. And then the Monday night game of the week, another great game: Vegas and the Chargers. Uh, just win, baby. I'm I'm all on John Gruden. I'm drinking the Kool Aid. As much as I love Justin Herbert, and I've said I think he'd win MVP this year, he was my preseason pick to win MVP. Um, I, I'm with the Raiders, especially if they get Josh Jacobs back, because the Chargers' run defense has been atrocious. So I think it'll be a close game. I think this is going to end up like 28, 24, kind of a shootout. Um. But the Raiders are going to start 4-0. I'm, I'm drinking the Kool-Aid. The Raiders, as uh, Chris Berman would say. I'm with you. I'm all in on the Raiders right now. I do think it's going to be a close game, but they got way too much momentum that, to not be able to win this game. Yeah, John Green's got to get over the hump of losing all these primetime games. I Darren Waller could be in for a huge game, you know, I I think it's going to be a grit and grind game, but it's going to be a good one. 
And Derek Carr, you know. MVP, baby. MVP. I didn't see this. I always thought Derek Carr was good. Like borderline top 10. Not 10, but somewhere. You know what I mean? Yeah. But, you know, he's stepping up. And it's it's about time. I'm glad he's back. Using the receivers is a big help, too, when you're not throwing to Darren Waller 25 times, you know? You know, he Hunter Renfro doesn't – baseball and football. He is – get this. Zan said this. Zan is a member of our fantasy league. Is the perfect analogy. Hunter Renfro is the young man slash old man because he looks like he's 40 in the West Coast version of Cole Beasley. He is the Raiders' Cole Beasley. You know, he reminds me a lot of Julian Edelman with those uh, those zig routes, in routes, out routes. Yep. They're sneaky fast, man. He's, he's, he's a gym rat. He's sneaky athletic. <laughs> <laughs> he's a stand-up guy. Yeah, I'd let him date my daughter. <laughs> <laughs> Got a Clemson education. He's a college man. I mean, come Dad, on. He stayed, he stayed there for seven years. I'm sure he's got two degrees. I bet she's a doctor. <laughs> Dr. Renfro. He's surgical with his routes. Doctor, <laughs> Dr. Renfro. Uh, Hunter Renfro, keep up the great work. And the game or the matchup, everyone. Wait, wait, wait. wait. We got Pittsburgh and Green Bay. We skipped them. Uh, well, they're, they're kind of forgettable right now, Pittsburgh. So. <laughs> I'm taking Green Bay in that matchup because I think Pittsburgh is just – had a rough time. Yeah. Green so. Bay, they got a bad man at QB. We've seen many years from since. It's not going to be good for uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers, I think, this year. Big Ben's gone. You might as well throw in Mason Rudolph, even though if he does get more. I mean, you might as well throw Dwayne Haskins yeah. out there. I mean, if or you're going to take. Go sign Cam Newton if you want. I, I don't know. Mike Tomlin, what are you doing? Yeah. But to the matchup. Everyone's been waiting for, especially Tommy. He's been waiting for this for for a while, especially since he's a huge TB12 method believer. You know, I, if I was at school right now, I'd grab the book. All Tommy's, right? That's Tommy, the Bible. He feels, he feels betrayed deep down. He doesn't want to admit it because he loves him so much. But hurt. The, the duo of Gronk and Brady, even though Gronk is doubtful, he'll be on the sidelines. Oh. Um, you know, they're they're just riding Brady's coattails, okay? I'm I'm more upset with just they're they're returning to New England, ladies and gentlemen. How do you feel about this, Tommy? Where does your your fanhood lie this week? You know, I I saw Mac Jones play a great defense last week. (laughs) And I said, Wow, Mac Jones (laughs) looks like he should be in college right now. Mac Jones has been used to being able to play Old Miss every week. And hey, what? don't disrespect them. They're 12 this year. Old Miss, you're on the come up. Uh, I'm sorry. But he's used to playing no competition. And this week, he plays the biggest game of his career. Oh, where, this is a legacy game? This is the biggest game of his career. Oh, my All goodness. Right? You. <laughs> You are going out and performing against the guy that you are being molded after, okay? Bill Belichick can't tell the difference between him and Tom. He 
he looks at Mac every week at practice and goes, oh, Tom never left. <laughs> I have him right here. It's Mac Jones. But with that said, I've watched TB12 for many years. I've seen how he plays. And I don't see him losing against this average team. And I'm sitting with Julian Edelman in a dark room. All right. I do think it's going to be a good game, though. I don't think it will be a blowout. I, I, I know a lot of people think it's going to be a blowout, but I think Patriots do have a good passing defense. So that'll be interesting to see. Uh, Bill is the ultimate coach. I know a lot of people are like, oh, he's Jeff Fisher about Tom Brady. No. You don't win six rings and then some as a defensive coordinator with the Giants and be compared to Jeff Fisher, okay? But Tampa Bay is taking this one. I, I hate to admit it. So let me, as a New England hater and a Tom Brady non-believer, um, let me go ahead and shed some light to the situation. I think this game – is not a legacy game for Mac Jones. This is just his first Sunday night game. This game is going to be a whole lot closer than people think. One reason I'll get into later when we talk about our trade targets. But uh, uh, a big reason is because Tampa Bay has no corners. Uh, New England's not going to be able to run on them, but they will be able to pass. Mac Jones might have to throw the ball 40 times. And quite honestly, that might be a good thing against Tampa Bay. Jacoby Myers, Nelson Aguilar, Johnny Smith, Hunter Renfro, whoever they decide to replace him. They don't James have White. Hunter Renfro. <laughs> not Hunter Renfro. Henry, <laughs> sorry, 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 sorry. My apologies. And whoever they decide to replace James White with, because you know Bill Belichick manufactures guys who can catch out of the backfield in a lab somewhere. You're going out there for him. Yeah, probably. I probably catch three three passes for four yards, maybe. <laughs> but um. I think I'm going to give a score prediction for this one. I'm going to go Tampa Bay 28, New England 24. This is going to be an incredibly close game. And honestly, if New England wins, it'll be off a field goal. And it'll be a heartbreaker for Tampa Bay. But I could see it going both ways. This is a 50-50 for me because Tampa Bay's defense is just not that good. And I think Bill Belichick can exploit that even with Mac Jones. And also, I want to rebuke, rebuke your claim that Mac Jones never played competition. The SEC is the premier college conference. It just means more. Come on. Come on. It just means more. Come on. It just means more. Nick Saban is the Bill Belichick of college football. I mean, he's – He's he's maybe the greatest coach quarterback of all time. Am I crazy in saying that? I I don't know. He's no coach prime time, baby. <laughs> <laughs> coach prime. But um, you know, I know you brought up the receivers, but um, you know, I, I'm a big fan of Jacoby Myers. I I don't see Nelson Aguilar having a huge game. I think we'll have better games, better games than what he's had. And Kendrick Bourne. I forgot to mention Kendrick Bourne. Kendrick Bourne had a legend. really good game last week. Do I think he'll have a good game this week? Hopefully. 
<laughs> John Smith do something? Maybe. I don't know. He was non-existent against New Orleans against I don't even know which linebacker they threw at him. Hunter Henry, yeah. I mean, he's what Bill Belichick looks for in every player, but five catches. <laughs> slightly athletic. Five catches in 50 yards is not going to get it done against this team. That's elite tight end production. I don't know what you're talking about. He's a blocker, man. He's scrappy. He's a gym rat. With, with that said, that concludes week four picks. I hope you all are happy with that, and I hope Tom Brady just doesn't crush me more than the day he decided to leave. Depends on how many HGH needles he takes before the game. If he takes two or more, it's going to be a record-breaking performance. Before we move on, I want to know, does Bill Belichick smile this game? No. If they win. Tom, Tom Brady is 68 yards, I believe, from breaking Drew Brees' passing yard record, which, by the way, ladies and gentlemen, it will be celebrated like everyone didn't know it was going to happen. I mean, Drew Brees and him were going back and forth all last season, taking it from each other. I mean, this is not a shock that he's going to break it, and it should be celebrated. But they are going to throw a parade. Tampa Bay might throw another parade with him breaking the passing yards record. You're not wrong. (laughs) So it's just getting sickening, actually. But Tom Brady will probably do a QB sneak touchdown, celebrate with his offensive line that is much better than New England's, and Bill Belichick will shed one singular tear. But I'm going to leave it at that. Oh, let's move to some fantasy football. You know, top performers last week, we had um, Josh Allen, 37.22 points. I already said his stats earlier in the episode. Running back, shocker here, Najee Harris, 28 points. You mean Christian McCaffrey? Basically at this point. 40, 40, 40 <laughs> rushing yards, 14 catches, 102 yards, no TDs. The black Christian McCaffrey. <laughs> Mike, Mike Williams, wide receiver of the week. You know, <laughs> coming into the year, people thought he was going to break out, but he's really getting in stride. 33 points, seven catches, 122 yards, two touchdowns, one two-point conversion. Good for him. The, the dark-skinned Keenan Allen. It's about time because it's been like, what, four years now? Oh, Mike Williams is going to have a great year. <laughs> Listen, he's been injured, man. He's been injured. Yeah. He finally did it. Yeah. Tight end, Dalton Schultz, 26 points, six for 80, two tutties. Where was Travis Kelsey? I will say is a full-point PPR, so it it can switch between leagues. But week four, stardom, sit-ems. Who you got at quarterback? Um, I got Taylor Heineke as a start of the week. I think he'll have a big game against Atlanta. The offense has got to show out at some point because the defense ain't been doing nothing. So you got to get right on one side of the ball at least. So just Atlanta's terrible. That's really what that boils down to. And I think Terry McLaurin finishes his wide receiver one this week. I'm saying that biased because I have him on my fantasy team, but I'm praying to God that he does. Um, my sit is Ryan Tannehill. <clears throat> nothing more than the fact that he's missing his two best receivers, and I have no idea who's behind them. So and They're coming. Yeah, and it's the Jets. So if you got points for handoffs in your league with some uh, weird rule set, he will be the quarterback one. He will hand the ball off 30 times at least. Never know. For me, my start, it's kind of a shocking one. I have Derek Carr. 
I think he rides this momentum into the week, and I think he throws a couple touchdowns. You know, he's I think he's had has he had over three hundred yards every game. Uh, I don't know. But Around three hundred yards yeah, a game. Definitely. Yeah, I think he'll do it again. I, you know, this Chargers defense I think goes up and down. I they yeah. sometimes they play great, sometimes they play bad, and I think it's going to be a shootout. For my sit, I'm with you with Tannehill just because I don't know who's catching the ball. And then for running back, who do you have? Uh, running back, I have David Montgomery of the Chicago Pain. Um, he's like I said, he's their best offensive weapon outside of Allen Robinson. And the one disadvantage that Allen Robinson has is that he has to catch passes from the quarterbacks of the Chicago Bears. So they need to lean on David Montgomery. Detroit hasn't really been able to stop the run, although they miraculously shut down Baltimore, who decided that we can't run against Detroit. I don't know what that was about. But David Montgomery should get 20-plus carries. Uh, my sit is the entire Denver backfield. I don't think it'll be a good week. I don't want either shares of either Melvin Gordon or Javante Williams splitting carries against an elite Baltimore defense. My um, my running back start is kind of a shocker, but Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. You know, I he's fumbled a lot this year, but – He's facing a Philly run defense that has not looked good. And I think they're going to – it's like we said earlier, this is a back-to-the-basics game for him, and I do yeah. think he'll be able to get some points on the board, even if it's in the passing game too. And then my sit, I think this is a pretty obvious one, and Damian Harris, the game script's not in his favor at all. That, that run defense for Tampa is no joke. True, true, true. And then wide receiver. Uh, I got Terry McLaurin. I'm going to stick with banking on my fantasy team players. I have Terry McLaurin as a start against Atlanta. It's pretty simple. Like I said, terrible defense. My sit is Chase Claypool, a man I just recently traded off my fantasy team. He had a big week when Juju went out with an injury and Deontay Johnson didn't play. But if you've watched Pittsburgh, you realize Big Ben doesn't have the deep ball anymore. Chase Claypool relies on that. He relies on red zone targets, but it looks like Pat Fryermuth, the Muth of Luth, it looks like he's he's a red zone threat. Najee Harris is there. I mean, they can't run the ball, so I mean, he he gets a one yard like fall in touchdown. You know, that's that's the red zone offense. But Deontay Johnson and Juju are the offense when it comes to receivers. They just are target monsters, and Claypool they can't hook up on the deep ball, so that that limits his, his output uh, terribly. Yeah, you know, I'm with you with sitting uh, Steelers wide receiver. In. I have Juju don't start him. He's – I know he's – he was off to a better start than what he did last year. But this is a so-so matchup for him because if he's on Jair Alexander, Jair Alexander is going to be all over him. Yeah. I don't see him – Doing well. And then if he's in the dink and dunk mode, I don't know how well he's going to do. But for my start, Debo. Debo yeah. Samuel. 33% target share this year. Fourth highest in the NFL. And he gets the Seahawks defense who have allowed 100-yard receivers in two of the three games so far. Don't worry, Jordan. I'm praying for you this week. <laughs> uh, another thing about the Steelers before we go into tight ends yeah. who no one really cares about. Um, <laughs> Kevin King is out 
which is actually a solid upgrade for Green Bay because Kevin King, whoever the wide receiver two is on whatever team they're playing, would be a massive play. But Kevin King being out, they actually have to put someone who's slightly talented at cornerback two. So it actually it, it helps them that Kevin King is out and it hurts the receivers they're playing against. So, but on to tight ends. You're not wrong for tight end. <laughs> yeah, for start. Um, Kyle Pitts is going to finally have his his game. He's finally going to announce himself. Um, Washington is awful against the slot. I think they've given up like 19 fantasy points a game to slot receivers. I know he's a tight end, but he's played, I want to say, 35% plus of his snaps in the slot. So this could be a big game for Kyle Pitts. And my sit is Cole Komet. Uh, he plays for Chicago. So That's all, that's all that needs to be said. Yep. Uh, for my target my tight end start it's actually logan thomas you know he's the only tight end of the league who's played every snap this season and he's got a great matchup in atlanta who has not given or has given up a lot of points to tight end and then my tight end sit it, i know he had a, the best tight end performance last week but it's dalton schultz i don't say chasing that box score is going to help them just because this is a great defense in Carolina. They have good linebackers. They're going to be able to keep up with Schultz. I agree. And then, you know, we're a quarter of the way through fantasy after this week. Now's the time where you know if you're you – know, I need some trades. I'm okay. Shoot, I did. I got a whole different <laughs> team. <laughs> but who are some players that you would trade for? All right, hold on, ladies and gentlemen. I kind of nerded out on this segment. <clears throat> so I want to highlight a stat, unrealized air yards, which basically means, <clears throat> excuse me, it basically means the player is getting the air yards. And if you don't know what air yards is, it's just the amount of yards that the ball is thrown in the air. So if a player has a lot of air yards, it means they're getting the deep shots and those type of shots usually turn into touchdowns or long plays. So unrealized air yards is just air yards that they haven't connected with. And the second player in that is Stefan Diggs. Stefan Diggs owners are probably looking at his season thus far and being a little disappointed because him and Josh Allen destroyed in air yards last year. But Stefan Diggs is, has 36% of his team's air yards and he's second in unrealized air yards. So the volume is there. And I, I have faith that him and Josh Allen will probably figure this thing out. So I'd go to the Stefan Diggs owner in your league and say, hey, man, he's had a down start to the season. You know, I'll slide you a couple of mediocre pieces and you give me Stefan Diggs and you'll reap the benefits. Another guy I have is Devontae Smith for the same reason. It showed first week him and Jalen Hurts connected on a deep ball. They connected in the red zone. He's getting 45% of his team's air yards. They're airing it out to him. Go get Devontae Smith before he has a boom week. I've got two more receivers, so hold on. Uh, Michael Pittman, he's destroying in targets. He's got 30-plus percent of his team's targets in each week, and he's sixth in the NFL in air yard share. So he's getting the volume. The deep shots are there. Carson Wentz loves to throw the ball deep. So go get Michael Pittman. And the last guy I got is a guy who's an anomaly. It's Jacoby Myers. He's 104 receptions in his career. He has yet to get a touchdown. That is just ridiculous. He's due for some major positive regression in the touchdown category. 
and he's actually getting similar air yard air yardage to his teammate Nelson Aguilar, who everyone considers the deep threat in New England, but he's getting way more targets. So you're getting the deep threat in Aguilar with more targets with a guy, Mac Jones, who's known to have a pretty deep ball. So I Jacoby Myers is my last trade target for you. And that was the air yard segment by Jordan Navarro. You know, I will add to the receivers. I actually have Bateman from um, Baltimore on there. I know he's on IR right now, but he's a big dude, and Lamar needs a big receiver. I, Hollywood Brown's having a good year, but I think Bateman's going to get a lot of targets coming off IR. Um, one quick note, though. If you're going to use a stat like unrealized air yards, you do need to look at the quarterback play. Obviously, if a guy has a lot of unrealized air yards, that could also signal that his quarterback is terrible. Um, like DJ Chark had a lot of unrealized air, air yards, but I don't think Trevor Lawrence is turning into Andrew Luck overnight. And uh, sadly, Chark's injured, but that have been a situation where I don't think you go for him. So if you're going to go for a guy like Devontae Smith, you got you to gotta figure out, do you believe in Jalen Hurts? And if you do, then you have to go get him because he's getting ridiculous usage through the, yard, uh, through the air. And that's the type of uh, boom that you want to see for a receiver. Is there any – did you have any running backs? I had, Jonathan, I had Jonathan Taylor, but not for any specific reason. I just believe in his talent, and he's had some down weeks. And he had 6.4 yards to carry last week, and they just didn't use him. So you can maybe go get Jonathan Taylor, but be wary. He might end up being an RB2 this year instead of an RB1, and you might have to eat up RB1 value to get him. Uh, for me, for running back, the one I had was Joe Mixon, just because he's getting the volume every week. I know he's not putting up, like, a lot of yards every game, but he's definitely still getting the volume, and he's going to have the touches, even though he's he's had some tough matchups. Because they've proven it in the past, they're going to rely on him. Any other players? No, but I got a question for you. Yeah. So, with what I've said about Jacoby Myers, who are you taking rest of season? Okay, rest of season, Jacoby Myers or Jamar Chase in full in full point PPR. Full point. I'm going um, Jacoby Myers. All right, that, that is, proves my proves my point. Go get yeah, this man. He's, he's been a target machine even with Cam at quarterback. So I. I didn't even know that he hasn't caught a touchdown yet. He's thrown for a touchdown, but um, he has not caught one. I did not know that. That's an interesting stat. I hope one comes this week. It might. You never know. But um, that's all we have for football today. Right now, the AL wildcard standings are a Wild West movie right now. This is how wild it's getting. Yankees are up two games right now. They hold the one seed. They swept the Red Sox and took two out of three out of Toronto to get it. Yep. And Giancarlo Stanton says, fine, I will put all of New York sports on my back and carry us to some hope. Along with Aaron Judge. Yeah, along with Aaron Judge. But um, towers. (laughs) I. To be honest, I was not expecting this out of Giancarlo Stanton just because I've seen this for many years now. 
I've seen what Stanton does in big situations. And well, I was not expecting it. He didn't get many in Miami. I mean, he did tie the yeah. Yankee playoff record for home runs last year, and he only got to the ALDS. So, but uh, it's wild for sure. Um, uh, let me check on the games because I think the Mariners should be playing right now. The Red Sox are currently up four nothing on Washington, and Toronto's up six nothing on the Orioles, doing something that Boston couldn't do. Sorry, Tommy. It happens, you know. Um. It does not look like the Mariners are playing yet. Either that or I'm missing them. But I'm not no, they, they play at 10-10. All right. Well, anyway, uh, this is going to be great. This is going to be a close end of the season. Um, the Yankees are currently trailing 2-1 to one to Tampa. So, it, I would love to see the Mariners get a wild card. I think it would be great for baseball, especially for Seattle. And I also don't want to see three AL East teams in the playoffs. I just – I feel like – that's just, I don't know. I, I feel like the Yankees and the Red Sox almost kind of don't deserve the spots. The Red Sox were so hot in the first half, and then they just kind of crumbled in the second half. And the Yankees have just been an enigma all season where this team gets hot and then it goes, they look like a triple A team. So I just feel like with the payroll that these teams have, it just, it would be better to, to see the feel good story and the Mariners and Toronto get them. But I'm a Yankees fan, so I'm not mad that we're in the first wild card. I think it's going to be Yankees, Red Sox. I don't see, you know, unless the Yankees get swept and Toronto or Seattle wins out. I, it could happen. Tampa Bay does hate it, New York. It could, but it's got to take a lot. And, you know, like you said, Yankees have been up and down all year. Red Sox get COVID in the second half or not themselves. Toronto came on strong at the end. I, I think it was just, not enough at the right time. And then Seattle just came out of nowhere. I yeah, I was not expecting Seattle to even be ahead of Oakland come this time of the year. I do think you are right. It would be nice for the MLB to see Seattle in there. But I also think seeing a Yankees-Red Sox wildcard game is also a good sight for baseball because it's just oh, another, for sure. another chapter in the rivalry. For sure, but, for sure. Do you think Yankees hold on to one the one wild card? I do. Um, I think we'll take two out of three against Tampa. I only think it'll take one win though to secure. I think if we win tonight and Boston or Toronto loses, which it looks like it's gonna be very unlikely for those two things to happen, we clinch tonight. Um, but I think the Yankees will hold on to one of them. I don't know if they'll hold on to the one, but I think they'll get in. I think it's pretty solidified as long as we don't get swept. Yeah, I do think if it is going to be Boston, New York, I think we're in for a great pitching duel with Cole and Sale. I don't think Sale's going to pitch the whole game. I think it'll be Sale with Baldy, but I think it'll be one of the better wild card matchups we've seen. And I think it could be the same with the Yankees because Cole has been so terrible his last couple starts because he's nursing that hamstring injury. But Severino has come out of the bullpen and been lights out. He's been our best pitcher the past uh, week and a half or so. So it could be a Cole Severino wild card game. Do you think they trust Severino to go multiple innings? Like, has he gone two innings, Max? Yeah, it's been around two. Okay. Do you, do you think they, if say he's on, do you think they push him to four? Or? 
Yeah, I think they could easily probably. push them to three or four. I don't know if they would risk trying for a start yet, but three innings would probably be where they're comfortable with them right now. And then out west, it you know, Dodgers had the one, but the St. Louis Cardinals. I know Zach and I talked about them the first couple of weeks on the podcast saying, watch out for them. They might sneak in. But to win 16 games in September, 16 in a row. Ridiculous. That's crazy. Where where's this come from? Um, their offense, I feel like Bader, O'Neill, and Dylan Carlson finally all put it together at the same time. Those are three immensely talented prospects and young players. And you yeah, along with Arenado and Goldschmidt, this offense has just been on an absolute tear. And they've had some resurgent performances out of Wainwright, who looks like he's found the fountain of youth. So I feel like this Cardinals team is just hitting their stride at the right time. And I feel like this is the Cardinals team that everyone was expecting. I don't, I mean, I wasn't expecting them to win 100 games or anything, but I thought the NL Central was going to be a decently easy division, depending on how the Brewers played. I, I didn't see the Brewers having the best rotation at baseball, but yeah. Do you think Cardinals, Dodgers, do you think Cardinals can walk away with a win here? In a one game. Anything can happen. Baseball game, anything is possible. Um, I would still pick the Dodgers. I mean, they have a hundred and yeah. some odd wins, yeah. and I just it goes to show how good of a team the Giants are to push the Dodgers <laughs> to the wild card. But I feel like you have to, you got to take the Dodgers in that. But it would be great for baseball if the Cardinals won that somehow. Yeah, I I'm with you there, Dodgers. I think I think it's going to be Dodgers or the Giants coming out of the. I know just because I think they're both playing great baseball and Dodgers have too much star power, but I think it'd be fun to see St. Louis get in there. Will it happen? Maybe you never know. Yeah. And then that is all for baseball for today. Next up, we have some early NBA news. Ben Simmons has decided he is not showing up to training camp and has said, I'm never wearing a Philadelphia Sixers uniform ever again. Is this too much by him? Yes, I think it is. Um, I I find it hard to see where his problems lie, right? Are his problems with the fans, the 76ers and the Philadelphia fans who – to attack him relentlessly on social media for not expanding his game and not improving and kind of going rightfully MIA. So. Yeah, rightfully so, because he goes MIA in the playoffs. Or is his issue with the team? Because as Joe Allen Beat said, they kind of built the team around him, but I don't agree with that at all because I don't think Ben Simmons fits with Joel Embiid, and I feel like they've kind of tried to force these two pieces to mesh because they don't fit in a half-court set well, with Ben Simmons. I think he was saying, you know, if they would have just built around me and not try to build around Ben and I, they yeah. would be better. I think that's true. I think if – I think the 76ers – Yeah, I mean, I think the 76ers' best shot is to trade Ben Simmons. I think their offense would be a whole lot better because Embiid, you got to play him in a half court, right? He's the best half court center in the league. So – and you're just killing your offense with Ben Simmons not being able to shoot. And I think Ben just has an attitude problem, right? I, you know, I love Ben Simmons. I think he's got as much talent as anyone. 
but he has a serious issue where he I think he thinks he's better than he really is. He needs to expand his game and he needs to go to a team that can build around him like you build around a young LeBron. You just get him a whole bunch of shooters and watch him go to work. But he's he is not good enough. He's not shown that he's good enough to have this type of attitude problem. This is what everyone thinks Kyrie Irving is. Yeah, you know, I know a lot of people think Kyrie is attitude problem, but I, I think the Ben Simmons situation's worse just because you're not even showing up to practice. You're just like, I'm out. I just I I don't like that in any player really, just because you know the criticism is right. You yeah. don't have a shot. You were MIA in the playoffs multiple times. When when you have a wide open dunk and are passing up shots against the Atlanta Hawks. It just shows a lack of confidence, yeah. man. A lack of focus and a lack of confidence. Well, and it's one it's one thing to to say Ben Simmons isn't great offensively in terms of scoring, but he's a special playmaker. And he's also a a, a great defender. He's an all NBA type defender, defensive player of the year candidate. So, you know, yeah, maybe he can't play offense at in, in the playoffs and shoot and score, but it didn't even look like he was giving much effort on the defensive end. You know, he just he looked like he was done with. Fighting. I don't think he wanted to be there. Like, yeah, yeah. So but I think he kind of screwed himself over just because, you know, Philly wanted a lot for him. Yeah. You know, they wanted James Harden for Ben Simmons, and they're gonna they're gonna have nowhere close to that now. I mean, I, who do you even trade him to? I, that exactly. Do you trade him to Cleveland? I don't think he fits with Cleveland and all their big men. Yeah. I think you got to trade him to a team that just needs an identity. Minnesota? I, I mean. I mean, he'd fit better with Cat than any other big man just because Cat yeah. shoots a lot. But there's not a lot of teams that can just plug a Ben Simmons in. Yeah. And they're going to be good because their teams are not set up for Ben Simmons. I, I don't think he starts the season on a different team. I still think he'll be the Sixers, and he's just not going to play. Which yeah, I think I agree. I think it's a shame to both the Sixers organization and to Ben Simmons himself because although he can't shoot, he is a special player offensively as playmaking, and he's one of the best defending point guards in the league right now. With and that said, the 76ers said they're not gonna pay him. I don't I don't know if I agree with that. I mean, I mean, I agree with it because he's not going to show up. So you should know the ramifications of you yeah. not showing up. But I just feel like this is like a – it's a messy situation that I feel like could just be resolved with those two parties coming together and saying, hey, I don't want to be here. You don't want to deal with the drama. Your team could be better without me. Let's just find me somewhere to go. Yeah, but I, I feel like Philly's only going to do it if they – think they can get a good deal or a great deal for him well here's what you have to ask yourself are they better with Ben Simmons right I'll ask you if if Ben Simmons could shoot this wouldn't be an issue oh but cool. ha- half court playoff basketball against the Bucks. do you want Ben Simmons on the floor with Joel Embiid no I, I then, wouldn't then that's that's the answer right there yeah. that that decides your trade package right there I think the perfect spot would be the Wizards I think the Wizards can wipe the slate clean, trade Bradley Beal, even though they don't want to. And you have a, a special playmaker in Ben Simmons. And you simply say, okay, 
we're going to build this team around you. We're going to get you all the shooters you could ask for. And we're going to ask you to be Ben Simmons. We're going to ask you to show why you were drafted so high and why everyone still thinks you have this immense talent. And if he can't perform there and try to build that team up and, you know, make the Wizards relevant here in two or three years, then he, if he doesn't develop is what I'm trying to say with the Wizards and getting a team built around him personally or any team like that, not even just the Wizards, then he has no place in this league. Even Jason Kidd had to figure out how to shoot later in his career. Even LeBron has figured out how to shoot. If he just refuses to mature and realize that he can't play in this league without a shot, then he has no place in it. I mean, I I, I, I don't want to say he's not capable of doing it because – Oh, I think he's very capable. We see all these videos of him shooting over the summer, and it's it's like, where's that in the regular season? Like, he hasn't even attempted them. It's just it's not even the fact that, like, he's trying and not succeeding. It's He's just not even trying at all. I mean, yeah. he shoots worse at the free throw line than Shaq and Will Chamberlain. And he's a point guard. I mean, he's not really a point guard, but he's the guy that holds the ball the most. I mean, you can play hack-a-shack with the point guard, and he's the, ball, he's the guy you have to yeah. inbound the ball to. It, I, I think it's um, not a good look for Ben Simmons. I do think it's going to be hard to trade him just because I don't know who's going to want him. I think but, it would have to be a team like the Wizards, the Pistons, yeah. although I think the Pistons are trying to find their identity. I don't think they'd want yeah. Ben Simmons. Maybe the Thunder, but, I mean, that's SGA's team. I mean, like you said, it's going to be tough to – it's going to be tough to find a team that wants him. The Warriors didn't want him because he can't shoot. Yeah. I mean, they the Philly wanted uh, the Warriors to give up an arm and leg for him, though. And he would fit good with the Warriors, but the thing is he wouldn't be the main ball handler. And that yeah. caps his value right there because he's he's only good with the ball in his hands. Yeah. It's not like he's a threat to shoot. You don't even have to go out there to guard him. No, if he's in the corner by himself, leave yeah. him out there. What yeah. are they going to do, throw an oop? He's not smart enough to drive he's the lane because he's scared. He's scared. P.J. Tucker hits more from the corners than Ben Simmons does. Hits anywhere on the floor outside of the layup line. It, it's crazy. I I don't know. We'll see what happens. We'll wait and see. Nothing. You know, we still have a lot of time, really, if you think about it, before the NBA yeah. starts. But I want to hear some early season hot takes, Jordan. Give them to me. Um, you see the hat I'm wearing, so I was feeling some type of way today. I'm going to say, hot take, that the Bulls finish with a top five seed in the East. Um, I really like what we've built. I do think DeMar DeRozan is a terrible addition to a team that already wasn't too great at defense. But Vucevic is average, a little bit below average. Patrick Williams, I think, can be above average defensively. Alex Caruso and Lonzo Ball are great point of attack defenders. And Zach Levine holds his own uh, man uh, one-on-one defense, but when he's put in pick-and-roll situation, he folds. So I think the Bulls will be somewhere around 15th, 12 to 15th in defense. I think the offense will be much better with an actual point guard. I think Kobe White coming off the bench will suit him better. So that's a really bold take from a Bulls fan. But another bold take is I think – that the New York New York Knicks regress a ton this year. Uh, I love Tibbs. He will always hold a special place in my heart. But I, I don't see it with that team. I really don't. I don't think there's – I mean, they're great defensively, but is that going to be enough if Julius Randle doesn't have another season like he had last year? So I think they're going to regress. 
and I have the Nets um, just destroying the East, honestly. That's another bold take. I think they're going to make a run for 60-plus wins. Yeah, I I also have the Nets running away with it just because they have a full year under their belt now. And honestly, I know Giannis had this great run. I don't think he'll be a top three or four player in the world by the end of the season. Mm. I, I don't know if he can do it again. It's like, you know, we said it with Kansas City, and the tape's out there. Tape's out there now. True. Until he starts, until he starts the season, and he's shooting thirty six percent from three, and then the league is that, then we then we have a problem. But <laughs> I think I, I don't see that Bucks team going back to back just because they lost PJ Tucker, who's a key piece, and they're also just going to get older. Yeah, but talk about old. We look at that Lakers roster, <laughs> and I, you know, a lot of people are making fun of him saying. You know, they are old and stuff, but I, I still see them as a top five team out West. If they all stay healthy, you know, R- Russell Westbrook is players love to play with him. I know he gets a bad rap, but he's going to do what he needs to do in LA. And then you have Rondo coming off the bench. The That's a good point guard duo. I, I think Anthony Davis should have a better year. Yeah, especially if he stays healthy. Yeah, I, I I don't know if they go all the way, though. I don't know if they can go all out west. You know, the Suns, they kept kind of really the same roster together. Yeah. And then I'm, I'm high on Denver. I think um, – I do think they might – depending on how the year goes, I have – I think it's time to move on from Jamal Murray. Yeah, I would have liked to see them try to get Bradley Beal this offseason. Yeah, I I think Jamal Murray's a good player, but I I just don't think he's taken that next step. I agree. They just paid um the other day Michael Porter Jr., who I I know he's looked good, but I feel like that is a risky deal. I I agree. You know. I've always said I have, I'm not high on him just because of the back injury. But his contract was over $200 million, and he hasn't done much. It's it's $200 million conditionally. He has to make an all-NBA team this year for it to be 207. It's uh, five years, 172 base. I, I don't see him making an all-NBA team. I don't think he makes that step this year. Uh, they're paying for potential. I think he could could easily be the best player on that roster, even over Jokic. He's got that type of scoring potential. Uh, I I think he's a a much better bet long term on a championship roster than Jamal Murray. So yeah, I mean, I think we saw you know the Nuggets kind of played better without Jamal Murray. Yeah, you know Jokic was still able to be just as great without him, and really that's what you want to build around for your team. I don't think he will have back-to-back MVPs, though. I just don't see it happening. Because Luka's winning this season, baby. Luka magic. And then another another bold prediction I have is Kristaps will be traded by the end of the year. I think it might be by the end of camp, honestly. He has said how I feel like an afterthought. That's because you are. 
Yeah. Yes. You are seven three. You can't rebound, and you think you're Steph Curry. Yeah. But other than that, you know, I'm excited for some basketball. You know, October is the best month. Best month for sports, man. Playoff baseball, football's in full swing. Basketball starts. Hockey, if you watch hockey, I guess. We know a couple people that watch hockey. So Merrick Deb, we're ready for hockey with you. Not really, (laughs) but yeah. (laughs) It's going to be nice October, I will say that. But uh, any other takes for or hot takes you have for NBA? No. uh, I mean, my real only two were the Knicks regressing and the Bulls finishing top five. But outside of that, I'll I'll stick with those two. I don't want to overstep and make too many trash takes off the bat. You digress. Yeah, I digress. Well, Jordan, that's all for today. I'm glad to have you back. It, it was great having you again. It's it's wonderful talking sports with you. Hey, man, I could just take Zach's job. I'm kidding, Zach. Kidding. Well, kidding. Zach, Zach will be back next week. You know, Zach and I, our schedules didn't line up this week. Zach is going to the Penn State game versus Indiana. I'm home right now and will be in the city this weekend. So... Next Friday or Saturday, Zach and I will be back. And then, yeah, hope everyone has a great week. And see you guys next episode. Peace.